Okay, welcome back, folks. I am going to give Simon a call here. I think. Yes. Connecting. There we go. That magical sound we wait for every week. Ooh, swing and a miss. He's not online. Hold on. Thanks for calling me hey. back. Can you see me? Heck oh, yeah. I don't have video. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, I can see myself. There you go. There you we are. I, oh, yeah, buddy. Loud and proud. Okay. Let me plug in my thing oh, here. Oh, my God. So I've got a lot going on today. <laughs> I have three drinks, if you can believe it. Uh, lay them out for me. I've got two. I've got a, a an ice cold glass of water and a smoking hot cup of tea. <laughs> that sounds great. I have. Uh, sorry. No worries uh, at all. I have um coffee mm-hmm. with sugar with oat milk. I have hibiscus tea that is quite likely the best tea I've ever had. <laughs> is it caffeine-free, though? Uh, I think it probably has some caffeine, but it's not high caffeine. There's no caffeine. Yeah, a, a herbal tea like that's not going to have <laughs> have the caffeine that you, me, and everyone we know is looking for. <laughs> Please tell me your third drink is a monster energy to compensate for the lack of caffeine in that, in that <laughs> hibiscus tea. That would be incredible. I need to start mainlining monsters in this uh, in this quarantine time. Yeah, you have a personality well suited to amping up on a mon- <laughs> casual monster afternoon drink. No, the third drink is just a big bottle of water. Okay, chilled, tepid, warm. Uh, a little bit cold. A little bit cold. Great. Um. Let me, ooh, let me, sorry, I just need to, and or I assume we're taping or recording right oh, now. Oh, we're definitely recording. Uh, okay. Yeah. Can we do the intro and then <laughs> I need to run and get my headphones? Oh, absolutely. Would be my absolute pleasure to welcome our <laughs> listeners back to another episode of Amazing. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I'm your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon. McCormack. Nets Nation. Which do we do? We hate China. Do we love China? What is it? Are we, oh, what is it? Is he being a fear monger? Is Biden doing it better? What's happening? Um, yeah, your your mic's on. No, uh, but have you have you seen 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 what I'm talking about here? No, I'm I'm curious to hear more. What's happening? Oh, and I'm sure our listener is as well. Um, just quickly. Uh, basically for weeks, as you're no doubt aware, there was like rage in liberal circles about like Trump, you know, blaming WHO and, and China and he's trying to shift blame to China. Sure. Definitely true. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, and, 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 you know, promoting like xenophobia, et cetera, in the process. Then. Biden comes out with a an ad, an attack ad that's like, oh, old Trump thought that, Trump, that China was doing a pretty good job of the old coronavirus. And it shows a bunch of clips of him saying that. And meanwhile, for his precious little travel ban let in 40,000 people, right, because those are American citizens that you can't keep out of the country. Um <laughs> And he just like and like and then again, people are just like, yes, this just hit him hard, Joe, hit him hard on this soft on China. <laughs> so anyway, uh, right. So I just I want to live in a world where I can be guaranteed that both candidates will radically defund <laughs> the WHO. Yes, exactly. And it's a literal one moment of need for it existing. Just what? completely <laughs> gutted. One thing's for sure, WHO is going down. <laughs> uh, great. So do you need to go grab those headphones? Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. I will just go do that really quickly, and I'm very sorry about this, listeners. And then we will get to, to Nets basketball. Yes. So we are here as we are each and every unrelenting week remotely podcasting together to bring you all 
things, Nets Nation. Yes. Uh, we have, as we do each and every week, Simon, a jam-packed agenda. Um, if you think if you think Biden and Trump's stance on China changes frequently, uh, <laughs> then you should see the vagaries of Nets Nation right now because it's all over the place. Yeah, definitely. Um, that said, we have two segments. Uh, <laughs> we have a robust, I am happy to say, Katie's Corner. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we will be hitting up Katie's Corner in a way we have not in a number of weeks. Uh, so that's exciting. We've got some KD, Kevin Durant news for all of you. And then we are going to hit hard a segment on quarantine shows and films we have watched, enjoyed or not enjoyed, and in some way relate those programs back to our beloved Brooklyn Nets. Yes. You prepared? I am. As prepared as I usually am. Uh, how was last night for you, by the way? Oh, it was great. Um, we, uh, loved our little, um, our, uh, um, I don't know, would you call that a mixer? Oh, you, you had some cocktails? No, I mean with you. Oh, right. Sure. Our little mixer. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. We had a great mixer and then, uh, yeah, good, good, uh, touching base with, uh, Christina and, uh, Nate who are in a studio apartment. Oh God. And they are, they're quite a big one, but. They're new. It's a new relationship, relatively. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're new to living together. So, wow! All they right, seem to be doing fine. Trial by fire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, if you can't keep it together and put on a brave face for at least one Zoom call, then things have truly taken a, <laughs> a quarantine turn. So I'm glad to hear it's not that grim yet. Yeah. How about you? How was your filthy Friday? Uh, my filthy Friday. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's uh, sultry Saturday. Sultry Saturday. Right. Yes. Whatever. It does Days no longer mean anything. Uh, it was all right. We did a happy hour with my parents and Abby. And Kyle joined in. Oh, awesome. Yes. So we all Zoomed. We made some uh, whiskey sours. Oh, nice. And uh, had a good old time. Then Claire and I um, watched some stuff. Oh, we started The Wire last night. Oh, all right. Um, yes. Yeah, so she, ha- she hasn't seen it. Uh, I, of course, have. But am happy to be back on that bus. Uh, that said, let's go to our favorite corner of all the corners in the land. <laughs> <laughs> the corner occupado by a guy who ain't playing this season, Kevin <laughs> Durant. So, Simon, <laughs> we're going to have a new segment in KD's Corner called Wait, Wait, Have You Heard? Simon has sent me an article about KD not coming back this season. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> so tell us about him not coming back again. Uh, well, this is just the latest Kleinman. Uh, and, I, look, I acknowledge it is sort of dumb, at least in a way, to continue to bring up something that, it uh, has not changed, but <laughs> it is it, – it, I just feel obligated to because anytime Kevin Durant or Rich Kleinman is interviewed, the first question that they're asked is whether KD is coming back, and it inevitably generates some headlines. I think there are diminishing returns uh-huh. uh, with every new denial, but – um, but I just wanted to keep our, our listeners updated that the latest from uh, Rich Kleinman is that they haven't even talked about – he and Kevin Durant have not even talked about him coming back regardless of whether the – you know, whatever, the season starts in August or, well, you know, name right. a month. Rich Kleinman will tell you they haven't talked about it. It seems preposterous. He's not doing it. Uh, right. Um, okay. A couple things on that just because, you know, <laughs> we're in Katie's corner. Let's dig in, right? Yeah. Um, one, do you think it's possible that Rich Kleinman and Kevin Durant have not talked about it? 
Two, uh, my, my quick answer to that is no. That is completely impossible that they've not had that conversation. Two, this whole thing needs to continue to be brought up because of how offensive it is that it was like, that it was rumored that he was likely going to play in the Olympics, which are now essentially at the time that the season would hypothetically right. resume. Right. So there's really... Like, had those expectations not been set that he might come back for the Olympics, none of this would really, you know, it's fine. We never thought he was going to come back. But that, that he <laughs> would play for Team USA but not for Team BK is, I think, right. somewhat frustrating to, to Nets fans. Yes. I, I think what Rich Kleiman would say if he were to be confronted with that question, unlike the sycophantic interview treatment he got <laughs> from Chris Mannix, uh, what, what would be... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Chris Mannix. Oh, who cares? Know. Show, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you got time, Chrissy? Um, but it's, um, it is that like he, the pressure of like the playoffs uh-huh. would be, he would be thrust into that and it would just be too much to have to deal with. Again, I'm not, you know, I, I agree with you. It's, it's absurd. Kevin Durant thinks of himself as signing a um, two-year deal with the, the Nets, but paid for three. Right, right. Um, all right, another Katie Corner bit is mm-hmm. an excerpt from Ethan Strauss's book, uh, yep. like The Victory Machine, I believe it's called. Yes, exactly. Um, so I have it. I've started it. I'm reading it at bed. It's my treat read. I like to read before, just before. I only let myself do it before bed, but I like to read a basketball book before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my, I've got my Ethan, Ethan Strauss book. I, I don't think I've gotten to the, the excerpt that's uh, going all around the, the Internet. Right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about it. Well, and Nets Daily's reaction to it, which I think oh, is what you really want to talk about. Yeah, so this excerpt is um, basically recounts uh, Kevin Durant's dressing down of Ethan Strauss after Ethan Strauss wrote an article um, talking about the ways in which the Warriors were um, tailoring their offensive approach to Kevin Durant's um, skills, needs, desires, um, in the, in, you know, with his free agency looming. Um, and so Kevin Durant reads the article, uh, is like practicing and he sees Ethan Strauss, like come into the gym, uh, comes running over to Ethan Strauss, starts yelling at him. And, uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that he talks about how usually when he's gotten yelled at, when Ethan Strauss has gotten yelled at, um, sometimes he can just say, Hey, well actually, you know, the headline says X, but the, the article says this or whatever. Um, and he says not KD. He reads everything and takes issue with specific sentences and phrases. Hmm. Um, a few particular in particular had inspired his ire. Um, so anyway, and, and it, you know, there's basically two segments of him, two times in which Kevin Durant is dressing him down. Um, and in the first time it ends with him, with Kevin Durant's a uh, sort of screaming, you don't know what makes me happy. Um, and then another, the last one ends with him, uh, basically saying, you know, Ethan Strauss says, look, I'll make sure to come to you before I write something on you, which I think I I could be wrong about this, but my memory is that it sounds like he didn't do that for this particular article. Um, and Kevin Durant says, just do your fucking job. One of the biggest things, sorry, William, and then I'll wrap up is that he, he accused, uh, Ethan Strauss and of being just another one of the local reporters who tries to rile up Steph's fans. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it gets to the Steph Curry, um, rivalry, I guess. Although I've never heard anything about Steph Curry doing anything <laughs> to, to Kevin Durant. No, and, and so, just the opposite. I've always heard that like it was Steph's team, and he pretty like for someone of Steph's. I don't know. 
stature yeah. to to accommodate a score like Kevin Durant and to not show, at least publicly, any bitterness or animosity towards him. Um, I've never heard Steph critiqued in any way for that. Right. But that might um, just be the Homer GSW exa- media, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so anyway, with that rather lengthy um, explanation, I will just say that my take from that was at least Kevin Durant. For some reason, William, and I don't know why exactly, I find his brand of egotism interesting. Whereas uh-huh. I find, say, like Kyrie Irving's brand of egotism completely noxious and not appealing in any way. Um, and while certainly I, this does not paint a favorable view of Kevin Durant, um, nor do I think one is warranted based on this particular, uh, thing that just, you know, that this, this, uh, interaction, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. Like he, he talks about how, like, it's almost flattering how, how much Kevin Durant cares about like what he's written. But then he's like, but, it's also only in relation to you talking about him. <laughs> like he's only really obsessed with you in so much as you are writing about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is the, the, the Nets daily thing, which is a true you and I, William, I think at least like to think of ourselves as very open to counter narratives. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a counter narrative <laughs> that I think is just outrageous. So while the rest of the world is surely talking about, oh boy, you know, trouble for Brooklyn, you know, or talking about how, you know, again, this is not good, does not portray Kevin Durant in a particularly good light. Mm -hmm. His thing is like, well, you know, what, what does it matter? Basically, it doesn't matter at all because he's in Brooklyn now and nothing in the past has ever mattered. And he uses as part of that argument, the fact that Kyrie Irving um, had trouble in Seattle, or sorry, in in Boston, but you and I both know he's had trouble in Brooklyn. Similar types of trouble, right, 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 in Brooklyn. And so, uh, yeah, with with K- with Kyrie, he uh, he at least had one year where he wasn't an absolute menace in Boston, um, where he yeah. he couldn't even <laughs> hold it together for that long here. So right. Right. So I don't know, man. Um, what I mean, do you have any? I know you haven't read it, but you've heard about that. Um, yeah, yeah. And he encounter. called him out in the press conference and that sort of the genesis behind, I think, Ethan Strauss writing a book um, or at least getting, yeah, getting pushed to do it because he sort of became a much more prominent figure when KD called him out by name in a press conference. Uh, yeah, I think that... Um, you know, I, it's so bizarre. I, I I can't imagine living in a world in which, you know, dozens of stories are written about everything that I do. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you'd like to think that you would develop a, a thick skin or perhaps just be like, you know, become indifferent to it, inured to it yeah. in some way. <laughs> Um, indifferent to it, and and he clearly has not, and it, <laughs> it 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 creeps up in a bunch of really bizarre, um, idiosyncratic ways. Which, but I again, yeah, like you said, I think I think there's something um, genuine and intriguing and sort of like human about Kevin Durant's thing, whereas I think that. Kyrie's is just like the classic marks of a megalomaniac, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant is obviously like a sensitive uh, (laughs) guy who's vulnerable and insecure. And that's a very relatable feeling. Whereas, you know, Kyrie is like, you know, believes that he's basically a God and then, Feigns as if he is a martyred hero, right? Yes, um, Exa- yes. which That's... is a less relatable <laughs> position yeah. to take. Um, 
So why don't you tell us about the tweet, the KD tweet that you sent me? <laughs> oh, so this and is then I have one more piece of KD news as Ooh, well. Oh, so. William, you're bringing it to the corner. <laughs> um, yes. Let me see. Is it? I'm just trying to make sure that I remember who the other um, person is in the in the battle. But basically, Kevin Durant, Oladipo, and uh, Lance Stevenson. Right. Lance Stevenson. Yes, yes, yes. So he says Kevin Durant says that he has in a one on one matchup, he would bet fifty thousand dollars on um, Victor Oladipo beating Lance Stevenson. Now, that is not interesting on its face. I agree with anyone thinking that. Um, but wow, it is I was thinking just the opposite. Because... <laughs> Having not read that scintillating tweet, I am enamored by what comes next. Thank thank you, William. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, So the reason I bring that up is uh, it reminded me that Victor Oladipo played with Kevin Durant um, at OKC um, and that perhaps they, perhaps he would have, Kevin Durant would have some interest in. I don't believe they did. Oh really? No, oh, that he played. Um, Oladipo went there from the Magic the mm-hmm. year that the Thunder lost Kevin Durant. As far oh. as I know, yeah. Okay, I believe you. Okay, um, well, never mind then. But my thinking was maybe that indicates he likes Victor Oladipo. Maybe oh. that's another uh, indication of a, of a net trade. Um, I love that. Right, right. Because um, Steve Lichtenstein suggested that he might be a a trade target. Yeah. And I guess if I, yeah, the other thing is like, if you're interested in a Drew Holiday, if you're the Nets, Victor Oladipo is a pretty similar guy. Some other flags (laughs) that that he doesn't, that um, Drew doesn't have, but like a quad rupture. But, um, Pretty similar players, right? Two guards, good at defense. Uh, I think Victor Oladipo brings a lot more upside in terms of um, offense. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he's a, a much uh, a much bigger threat offensively. Um, mm. And yes, they did not. They it was a year Kevin Durant left that Oladipo was there. Okay. Yeah, he had a cup of coffee in OKC, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I thought I'd go the rest of my life without getting to use that expression. I've never heard it. Oh, really? I mean, I get what it means, right? He didn't do – he wasn't there for very yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's a, a fairly common uh, expression in sports talk radio, I think. Oh, great. Um, I've heard Bill Simmons say it. That's 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 where it's coming from. Uh, okay. All right. So my final thing, and you may not have seen this. I don't think it was aggregated by Nets Daily or anyone else, um, but it was a story that I saw in the Bleacher Report feed that comes into my my RSS feeder. Um, just another reason why RSS feeds are still a vital information resource <laughs> for <laughs> especially the year twenty twenty. <laughs> Forget Twitter. Just start getting your RSS feed filters going. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this one came in through Bleacher Report. And it's about Kevin Durant selling his Oakland home. Ooh. So he's selling it for six mil, okay. which, you know, a very expensive home. But <laughs> not like preposterously expensive. Right. Sure. Um, so he's selling his $6 million home and this is, this is per Vongs. Uh, and I don't know if that means anything to you. It doesn't mean anything to me. I assume it's some sort of real estate site. Vongs. That's not what I know. Okay. So per Vongs, the 9,100 square foot home has seven bedrooms eight baths, and two separate apartments. The house also includes a home theater, half a basketball court, and an atrium with floor-to-ceiling windows, among many other amenities. Mm. 
That is all I've got on that story, Simon. Sounds like a nice <laughs> home, though, doesn't it? It does. I it know does. you're a real estate fiend. Yeah, that that kind of. I'm more into like, ooh, a two bedroom. Right, a two, uh, a two but... bedroom for <laughs> somehow a sixth of that price. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. 9,000 yeah. square feet is just enormous. That's a lot. That is. That's a big home. Um, also, having a seven-bedroom home as a single man is a bit uh, garish, but that's okay. <laughs> I find his mansion a bit garish. <laughs> I mean... That's a lot of house. <laughs> That's a lot of house. Especially with Oakland real estate prices? Come on. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right. So we're leaving Katie's corner unless you have anything else you'd like to add. No, no. Uh, and we're going to go to our new segment, What Have You Watched This Week and How Does It Relate to the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a few things that from this week, as well as a couple things that I've recently finished that I've done some some things for. Okay. Um, I've got a lot here, honestly. So uh, I hope you, you came ready. I have three. <laughs> okay. Three things. I've got um, seven, I believe. Okay. Okay. So maybe I'll save some of them for another time. No, no. Hey, it's it's all right. We we got it, baby. Yeah. Oh no. I know we got nothing but time. So I'll go first since I have just a ludicrous number of these. Um. Let's start with uh Parasite. Okay. All right. So I finally saw Parasite. Uh. I don't know if any of our listeners have heard of it. It's a uh, Academy Award winning film. <laughs> Uh huh. Korean film uh, won Best Picture this year. It's sort of funny. It's a it's a beautifully shot film uh, about class class relations in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Or let's just say in any capitalist country. Sure, sure. Um, I think that my favorite, the the most standout scene for me in the film, is uh, when the 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 rich couple are sleeping on the couch watching their son in the teepee, and they have sex, and uh, he's rubbing her nipple in a in a <laughs> clockwise manner, and she moans, "Buy me some drugs!" as the <laughs> as the three um, family members are hiding under the table, like yes. two feet away from them. Yes. Um, so anyway, the scene, however, Simon, that I'm going to relate, that scene to me does not relate in any clear, direct way or even extremely indirect way to a net that I could think of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but the scene that does relate to a net is the one in which the apartment is being flooded with green sewage. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the daughter goes into the hilariously placed toilet that's up on that like elevated platform, like almost hitting the roof. And she's sitting on top of it with the lid down, smoking a cigarette. And at some point while she's sitting there smoking the cigarette is just sewage is flowing around everywhere near her. The toilet just has this irrepressible surge of green, green fluid that like breaks out of the sealed toilet. <laughs> Yeah, And so for me, Simon, <laughs> that irrepressible green bile that just can't be held in is, uh-huh. and you're going to be shocked when I say it, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> His toxicity is irrepressible, Simon. You can try to sit on it, put a lid on it, do whatever you want, but that bile's getting out. Mm. Sure. Did you like uh, Parasite? I loved it, yeah. Loved well, it. loved. I, I very much liked it. Excellent. All right, what's your first one? Okay. Um, my first one, uh, William, is uh, Parks and Rec as uh, – Parks and Rec is Jared Allen, and here's why. Because I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec. I laugh at it, you know – regularly we keep you know clicking through where we're interested in it 
Um, so it's got to have something that I like for sure. But I remember the things I remember most about the episodes are things that I that irritate me. Um, like if it's a heavy Ron Swanson episode or heavy on April Ludgate or Ooh, if it's I, lo- I kind of like those two. Ugh, I find them so unfunny. Like the Ron Swanson eating a lot of steak is not funny. I don't care who you are. I mean, I haven't seen the show in a decade, probably. Yeah, but... watch it again with an eye to to Ron's uh, bag of humor because uh, <laughs> it's a decidedly limited and unfunny bag, in my opinion. Uh, but so that to me is Jared Allen because though Jared Allen does plenty of good things. <laughs> And I, you know, a part of me definitely thinks we may miss him quite a bit uh, if and when he's gone. I, in my head, most of what I think about when I think of Jared Allen are the frustrating things about Jared Allen. Getting bullied underneath, missing out on rebounds, not being able to do anything offensively, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's what sticks in my brain more than any of his, like, you know, help help with defense, uh, you know, helping the team win in, in various uh advanced statistical ways right okay um yeah i've i've i i haven't revisited parks and rec yet but who knows if we are quarantined for long enough anything (laughs) is possible uh Mm -hmm. my next one is another film it's a documentary called the scheme i mentioned it to you the other day it's about um it's a in-depth uh, interview with the guy Christian Dawkins, who sort of a lot of the NCAA scandal revolved around. He was a a manager, an agent, sort of a guy who basically funneled money to players to try to then manage them, uh, high school players, to then get them to go to colleges and then eventually manage them in the NBA. Um, it's a pretty good documentary that uh, hammers home the the universal truth that everyone is painfully aware of, um, unless you're like a I don't know an SEC football fan or something like that. That the NCAA is just a completely irreparably corrupt organization. Um, <laughs> And it's just absurd. Their claims of amateurism when they're making billions of dollars is, uh, I mean, criminal, obscene. Pick the pejorative term you want. It's it's a very bad situation. But the, the sort of movie follows this giant FBI investigation that reveals all of these coaches. You know, every single major coach you can name in the, in the NCAA is involved in some way or another with paying big players to go play in their and their programs, paying their families, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and who do they nail all the pin, all the blame on this guy, this completely nothing guy, Christian Dawkins, who, you know, like is a, is a total minor cog in the machine, even though they have footage of, of the, uh, of Sean, whatever the Arizona university of Arizona coach, the LSU coach guys who had to go on public record saying they had never would never have gotten their hands dirty. And they're on the phone very explicitly talking about deal, you know, monies that they've offered to players. Mm. Um, so for me, I'm going to relate this Simon to blaming, Kenny Atkinson for this season mm. being a disappointment. Okay. Not our new stars, not the people that that, that should actually uh, meaningfully make this team better, um, i.e. DeAndre and Kyrie. Um, Kenny is the fall guy here, just like Christian Dawkins is the fall guy for a wildly corrupt NCAA uh, <laughs> scandal. Yeah. Um, do you want to do another one? Sure. Um Unorthodox. Have you seen that yet? No. You know what it is, though, right? No. Oh, it's um, a bunch of people I work with, uh, and maybe some other people have recommended it. It's like a, a, a Hasidic woman who leaves the her community in Williamsburg and runs away to Berlin, and then um, is sort of like tracked down by a couple people from the Hasidic community and they try to force her to go back. Um, she's married to someone. So her husband and another guy go and like try to track her down and bring her back to Williamsburg. Um, I would, is this I, based on a real thing? Yeah. It's based on a memoir of, of a woman who escaped the Hasidic community. Um, and 
uh, I don't want to say much more about the show. It's fine. I wouldn't. I'm not like. I would not strongly recommend it. But it was perfectly fine. It's four episodes, so it's relatively brief. Um, but I would say. I'd relate it to Jared Allen, who I would say to uh, run, baby, run. (laughs) Get as far away from this as you can. You have an extremely promising and bright NBA future if you land in the right situation, which I hope he does. But I think that he, in order to uh, become the butterfly that I think Jared could become in the NBA, uh, he's got to get away from from this uh, community. That he is currently in. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I'll do another one. Just why not, right? Uh, sure. Finish Brockmire season three. Okay. Uh, Brockmire, short synopsis, because basically, and this is one of my points about it, nobody knows about this show other than you, Claire, me, and the guy who recommended it to me. I've never heard anyone else say anything about this show. It's about this <laughs> degenerate but lovable alcoholic baseball announcer, basically, who sort of hits rock's bottom at some point, and then you sort of see him struggling to get back up. Um, it is genuinely one of the funniest shows I feel like I have ever seen. Um, and it continue Whoa. and it continues to get increasingly funny. Claire, I had saw the last few episodes and thought it was pretty good. I think it's like on there on the level of like a peep show or a veep or an Alan Partridge. Really? Like one of my favorite comedies. Um, yeah. Of all, of all time. Wow. Um, and so, Obviously, you know, I think it's it's underrated. I think it's a problem that it's it's not talked about more. Not a problem, but like I find it bizarre that no one mentions the show or talks about the show. Um Karis would be the obvious one here, but I, as you know, Simon, think Karis is accurately rated. Uh, which is to say, you know, no one except for delusional Nets fans really care about him. <laughs> oh my um, god. <laughs> But, uh, oh, sorry, I just got a text about Fresh Direct um, possibly having times available. <laughs> hey, if you need to stop this podcast, William, I understand. I'm going to text this to Claire if you don't mind right now. Um, <laughs> so, sorry. Uh, I'm going to say for underrated, criminally mm-hmm. underrated, um, mm-hmm. And this is this going out on a limb on this one. Don't feel good about it. Rojan's Kuruts. So Kuruts oh. had a disastrous uh, sophomore season. I think that is undeniable. Uh, his yep. saw his playing time v- basically vanish, um, and is now a guy that you would uh, basically be throwing into a trade just to make the money work. I think at this point. Um, but I saw so many flashes of something exciting and filled with like a uniqueness and potential that I don't want to give up on that. I think Uh that he could be uh, just because whatever happened, you know, obviously the horrible stuff that happened at the beginning of the season, the legal stuff that we don't know anything more about, at least I don't at this point. Um, but it obviously it, something happened to the guy in the off season, uh, he was in a bad place. Kenny stopped playing him. It didn't work out. But I think that if we don't give up on him, he could still develop into a really exciting player in the future. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I loved Kurugs, uh, two years ago. Um, can I just tell you, William, that, uh, according to bleacherreport.com's, um, the guy who wrote this story, whose name I can't bring up right now because I'm racing through here, uh, Karis Levert is the number one trade target for, or like trade, you know, um, the top five NBA, what is it? Trade targets. Yes. Uh, at every position, according to Zach Buckley, he is the small forward number one. Number one small forward. Oh. Now, he isn't a small forward, but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I had not heard that and <laughs> frankly find it unbelievable. Um, hold on just one second. Keep talking. You, you do sure, yours. Sure, you want me to do yeah, one you of do mine? yours. You do yours. Yeah. yeah. This will be rewarding when uh, you, you don't get to hear mine, but I'll, I'll just imagine your response to my laughs. 
Uh, okay, so my next one is um, The Wire as Kevin Durant. And I say that because I never really watched The uh, Wire when it was culturally relevant, when it was um, on the air. Um, but I am just getting to it now, and it seems to be very good. Uh, and I know that it was critically acclaimed, you know, when it was out and people loved it. Um, and that's sort of how, uh, Kevin Durant is for me now because, um, I, I'm just learning about the guy, uh, you know, more or less, cause I never really followed him at all. Um, pre net. So his obsession with Twitter, his various career accolades, like I'm, I'm learning it all. Um, you know, this year, uh, and, uh, so that's why he's like the wire and he seems very good. Who? Kevin Turhan. <laughs> <laughs> Say what? Uh, great. Well, I was able to place a, um, fresh direct order. Hey, congrats. That is exciting stuff, folks, um, in the time of misery and quarantine. Um, yeah, so I am just going to wrap this order up. But I have a Kevin Durant one, too, if you're interested in hearing it, Simon. Sure. Care to walk with me, talk with me, re Kevin Durant? Yes. Um, all right, so mine for Kevin Durant is... A little guy by the name of... Oh, a little show by the name of... As you can tell, I'm a tiny bit distracted. Um, Atlanta. Oh, okay. So Atlanta, turns out, is an extraordinary show. Truly, one of the best shows I have seen in uh, as long as I can remember. And I know I just went pretty hyperbolically positive on... Um, on Brock Meyer. Atlanta is not a comedy. This is a, um, is a, I guess a more, se- yeah, definitely a more serious movie, but it is uh, straight up one of the smartest, most creative, like genuinely weird and surprising shows I have seen. The, uh, narr- narrative arc is totally secondary. There are just whole episodes disconnected in any way from anything you think might be happening in the show to progress the show. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. Um, and so the Nets don't, we haven't seen the Nets with something quite this great, you know, actually playing basketball. But I think the only person you could connect this to would be Kevin Durant pre-injury. Um, and one would hope, possibly, he will be able to continue the greatness when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so my last one, William, is Chris Pratt is... DeAndre Jordan, uh, Chris Pratt in particular on, um, Parks and Rec is, I think the funniest character. Uh, he is, you know, does pretty much all of the show's physical comedy. He's a lovable laughing, you know, laughable, um, uh, goofy, uh, dummy. And um, it's totally different from the persona that he now has as a um, self-serious Christian, like, there's nothing wrong with being Christian, but very, 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 very Christian uh, guy who is just unrecognizable from, from his character on on the wire or sorry on on Parks and Rec and similarly DeAndre Jordan if you watch old highlights of DeAndre Jordan he was awesome like that guy was they were talking about him maybe being like a like snubbed on the like all decade team of uh what a 2001 to 2009 or something or or maybe yeah um or maybe it was maybe 2010 to 20 remember when that came out Mm -hmm. yeah right so he you know 
like he he was incredible. You know, he's a multi-time All Star. He's been All NBA, I think, at some point. Um, anyway, he was great. Now he is not great. I know that you dislike him more than I do, but I don't think hardly anyone is particularly uh, enamored with him. Um, and you know, just thinking back to how he once was, if we could have that, uh, DeAndre Jordan, that, that would truly be something. Right. And, um, we don't, and we never will. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, we have a husk of that once great, great center, um, who is, uh, you know, forcing himself into the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Someone is. If it's not him, it's somebody. Right. Um, okay. So I have too many of these to keep to keep going. I'll do one final one. But I okay. have like I have four more, and that's just absurd. Um, <laughs> so we we watched that show High Fidelity. Yeah. Based on the book that's based on the movie. Um, sorry, the based on the movie that's based on the book. Got um, it. So. This feels to me like, have you seen the show? No. It feels like it's made for people so young that they have never seen the original High Fidelity. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there are scenes that are just line for line uh, identical to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like those are since I was like obsessed with the original, um, I those scenes are just really off putting to me because it's just like there are these much cooler, younger, hipper people that are saying them, you know, like Zoe Kravitz um, saying like lines about how sad she is don't play as well as like <laughs> at least like not an objectively n- drop dead gorgeous John Cusack, you know, like he's, he's not as cool as Zoe Kravitz is. Uh So uh uh, he was able to pull off the self deprecation, self loathing thing a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I didn't know if, yeah, if, if maybe the show was just like, if they, if, if they just assumed its audience hadn't seen that, or if that is like what an homage looks like now. You know, like just straight up ripping something off. Well, it's not really ripping off if you're the same thing. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, right, right. right. Just like remake. But like, you know, isn't the, shouldn't there be like a requisite few decades passage before um, you can remake something? I mean, it has been, right? That came out in the 90s, didn't it? Okay. All right. So we are that old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I tell you something related to this? Just just quickly here. Um, you you no doubt uh, know the song, the MGMT song "Electric Feel." Yeah. And just more generally, that album. I think it was "Time to Pretend" or I. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Whatever it was called, that album. And I remember thinking when that when that album came out and when those songs were at you know, parties or whatever in cars, um, thinking like, oh yeah, this is like a new hip song that like young people that I'm on the fringe of really like. But mm-hmm. like, I remember thinking like, you know, this is kind of, kind of getting a little old to be like thinking about new music and like tracking it and caring about it in, in the way that I am. Do you want to know when that album came out? Uh, 2008, yeah, 2007, 2007. Yeah, no, I know. And I think that is sort of our problem as human beings, or at least one of my problems, I feel like, is that like, I remember being a freshman in college and I was, so I was like 18 at this time and -hmm. being like, oh man, yeah, I just like, I missed the window and reading on the road would have really spoken to me as a young man, you know, it's just like, uh, that'll, that's, that'll all for, forever regret not having hit the sweet spot on that. It's like, I'm 18 fucking years old, man. Live it up. You had just recently lost your last baby tooth for Christ's sake. <laughs> Yeah, for for listeners at home who aren't um, on the quarantine combos Simon and I are now having on the reg, 
It was. It did come out that I did not lose my final baby tooth until my junior year of high school. <laughs> and I was a young junior, but that is still an absurd, absurd age I'll, at which. I'll to... <laughs> never understand on the. Ah, oh, what is that? Oh, my tooth finally came out. <laughs> Old man Winter here's baby tooth just came. Out. Mom, I got something under the pillow. <laughs> You know the girl. <laughs> ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some pepperoni on my slice at school tomorrow <laughs> with the 35 cents you get. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, good fucking time. So anyway, I don't. Uh, we're talking about high fidelity, I think. Yeah. Jean uh, and Musa. He's he's the youngest net. <laughs> <laughs> He's like uh, he's a month younger than um, Claxton. Claxton, oh, yeah. Claxton just turned twenty one. Muse is still twenty till next okay. month. Okay. Um, so I'll say some of these for another time. I got I got we finished the Sopranos a few weeks ago. Finished okay. Temptation Island. Ooh, oh, I can do yeah. Temptation Island for you. Uh, it's quick. It's yeah, uh, complete it's trash. It's titillating garbage. Uh, no one should watch it, but it's basically impossible to stop watching once you've started. And uh, there's no one like this on the net. <laughs> I would say it's sort of like Kyrie Irving because you're dazzled by the things he's doing, even if you're worried. About... I would happily never watch Kyrie Irving play basketball. Really? Yeah. I mean, he had, no. I mean, that, it's. I, I would. I would 100. percent uh, contradict myself where I'd actually see him play. Every time I see him play, I'm completely overwhelmed and in awe. But uh, right now, my the, the ire and anger that builds when you're just sitting in an apartment for 23 and a half hours a day um, has made me fully renounce Kyrie Irving right now. But yeah. I'll, I'll come back. I'll come crawling back. <laughs> It's just a matter of time. The final one, we we finished, much to Claire's chagrin, Avenue 5. Don't start it. Don't watch it. It has an all-star comedic cast um, and is produced by Armando Iannucci, the guy who did Veep and many other very oh, okay. funny British shows. Wait, is this the thing where they're on, like, a spaceship or exactly. something? Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And it kind of suffers the same thing, I think, that Silicon Valley does, where, like, it has a million hilarious actors, but there are just parts uh, of... There are many episodes that are just completely taken over by the plot. Like, no one really cares about the, comp- like, Pied Piper and the technicalities yeah. of how it's doing in Silicon... You know, like, <laughs> that's that's just a background to, like, the sad, miserable, angry angry characters that you like right. to laugh at. And it's the right. same thing on Avenue five. It's like, there are these really great, hilarious characters on it, but then there are just whole episodes where you're supposed to care about like a gadget on the ship deck, not functioning <laughs> right. And the plot completely <laughs> overwhelms everything. And it's just this really boring sci-fi thing. So, mm-hmm. um, that's my knock on that. Did I even relate that to a net? <laughs> I didn't. I honestly didn't. I just put. I just wrote it down and wrote like maybe five hundred words about my feelings about it underneath. But I didn't relate it to Annette. William, can I say that that is only slightly worse than going on a lengthy, a lengthy story about uh, about um, high fidelity and then saying Zanamusa is young. <laughs> Well, shit, at this point, all I have left is The Sopranos. Might as well do that, right? Sure. (laughs) We got time, don't we? Um, So you've seen The Sopranos, right? Uh, I've seen episodes. I have not. It's similar to The Wire. I've never watched it, really. It's Uh, like a show. I would highly encourage you to do so post-Wire. It's it's pretty incredible. It 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 lives up to the hype. For okay. sure. Um, but basically, it's a show where you, you more or less fall in love with the sociopath, <laughs> uh, who is Tony Soprano. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of that in sports, too. 
you know, like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant are probably like the, the most obvious examples of people you love who are very clearly actual sociopaths. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. We, we, you know, we dress it up as like their killer instinct, uh, yeah. super competitive. We say nice things about it. But, um, you know, had ba- basketball not existed, these people probably would have um, done something truly horrible. Uh <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, I don't think any of our players are necessarily on that level of like very clearly a, um, overtly a sociopath, but I do think the two people in the Nets organization who could potentially be that, mm-hmm. um, would be Sean Marks and Joe Sy. Whoa. I mean, it's my contention. And I think many people feel this way that to become a billionaire, you, have to be yeah. a sociopath. There's, there's, there's bodies. There's right. bodies buried somewhere. Right. You, <laughs> yeah, you don't get there by being a, uh, you know, empathetic human being. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, would you agree that Sean Mark seems like he's got a pretty ruthless side? The poison pill contracts he was throwing at people, <laughs> um, you know, dumping Jeremy Lin, uh, things like that. Uh, get- okay, dumping Jeremy Lin. William, if that is being a sociopath, you and I are extreme sociopaths. Yeah, because well, we I wouldn't both- argue that. <laughs> <laughs> Just not very good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, just not an athletic guy. <laughs> not every sociopath is a success. I have a two-foot vertical and a weight uh, problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think the jury's out on, on Sean Marks. I mean, I, 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 you know, I do think that his yakety-yak about culture is definitively proven to be false, though... I think we were we've been skeptical long before the Kenny Atkinson firing. Mm-hmm. The Kenny Atkinson firing definitively to me proves culture was a nice buzzword for a team that won 20 and then 28 wins. Right. Agreed. Um, all right. So that takes us through our shows. Yeah. Um, good stuff. It looks, sounds like we're both watching, you know. A lot of shows. <laughs> I mean, I I mentioned two. But, okay. <laughs> uh, one of us is watching a lot of shows. Yeah, I am watching significantly more, it would seem. But this is over like a several week span. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon, as you may or may not be aware, a lot of people aren't going to work right now. Yes. Uh, which means a lot of people have a lot of free time on their hands, which means... Maybe someone would want to do an interview? Sure. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I can give old Steve a ring. Who uh, Who should we seek out in these? In, do you think maybe a Chioza is aiming too high? Yes. I think aiming for virtually anyone is aiming too high. Uh, but, yeah, Chioza would be what good. What about a Stefan Bondi? Yeah, that would be good. I would love to talk to Stefan Bondi. Me too. Um, I'm happy to uh, to reach out. Would you blue check mark <laughs> his ass? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll just probably email him. Okay. Great. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, let's get on the horn with some of these big wigs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brian Lewis. <laughs> Yeah, Brian Lewis, sure. I, you know, I don't. I mean, I, I um, I'm happy to to give it a shot. All right. Well, can't wait. (laughs) And so that's what we're doing for you, listeners. Now we have a little favor to ask of you. That's right. If you or someone you love works at or around (laughs) Bud Light Lime, our warehouse guy is called in sick and. We are looking for sponsorship in all the wrong places. Yes, correct. Um, but honestly, what favor you could actually do, um, unless you do know someone at Bud Light Lime, and then seriously put them in touch. Uh, but if barring that, could you rate us and review us? Yes, do it. Five star? Five stars. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast. Overcast. FM Radio. Or FM what is Radio. It? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, get it there. Give us the end. Uh, follow us. On social media, your Twitters, your Facebooks, your Instagrams, at Maybe Next Time. And please send us your questions, comments, possible trade proposals, maybe next time at gmail.com. We need some mailbags in yeah. a major, major way. Um, all right, Simon, it's been great recording with you, and I we will go ahead and see, see ya. ya. I was tired of my lady We'd been together too long Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like Pina Colada